Hello, and welcome to Eco Report for WFHB. I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Cynthia Roberts. In today's feature report, Nathaniel Weinzeffel, our environmental affairs correspondent, has produced a mock climate change debate segment between himself and an expert source on climate change. That's coming up later in the program. But first, today's environmental stories. In April, not only do we get to celebrate Earth Day, but we also get to celebrate Arbor Day on April the 25th. This will mark the 150th anniversary of Arbor Day. It all began back in 1855 with a man named J. Sterling Morton, who was an early settler in the Nebraska Territory. Back then, Nebraska had few trees and settlers needed windbreaks, fuel, building materials, and shade trees from the hot sun. So Morton needed trees on his property and lobbied the state legislature to create a holiday that would encourage Nebraskans to plant trees. The first Arbor Day celebration was held in Nebraska on April 10th in 1872. Prizes were offered to people and counties that planted the most trees. Over one million trees were planted throughout the state. The mission of Arbor Day is very simple, inspire people to plant, nurture, and celebrate trees. The statistics prove how much people are dedicated to growing trees. Nearly 500 million trees have been planted and distributed by the Arbor Foundation. Their mission is working in 55 countries worldwide, and there are active members in all 50 states. 3,676 cities are recognized as a Tree City USA community. You have an opportunity to have a huge impact right here in Monroe County. The Monroe County Identify and Reduce Invasive Species, MC Iris, is focusing on reducing and removing an invasive species this year, known as the calorie pear. The incentive this year is you get to receive a free native tree to replace the calorie pear tree you remove. Choose from yellowwood, Allegheny serviceberry, pagoda dogwood, Ohio buckeye, hop, hornbean, black gum, American hornbean, white oak, or Schumard's Oak. To apply for a free tree replacement, go to http colon slash slash mc dash iris dot org slash reduce dash one dash invasive dash species dash challenge dot html. This is definitely an Arbor Day mission. A Wabash Valley school near Terre Haute is upgrading its energy source to save a big chunk of money. A solar farm at Shackamack High School is going to save the school over $1 million in the next 12 years. That money is guaranteed after it connects to the Duke Energy Power Grid. Shackamack Superintendent Jeff Gamble says the annual savings will help keep more money going towards education. Now, less money meant for education will be spent on standard school operations. Quote, we're a smaller corporation, so 75000 a year for a larger corporation may not seem like much, but for us it means a lot, end quote, Gamble said. Gamble said he is ready to begin the savings and go green. Quote, we're really excited about it, but there's more benefits to it besides just the savings in our operations fund, end quote, Gamble said. That will include school curriculum and possible career opportunities for students. 
Verigi, the company that is working with Shekimek to install the solar panels, is providing lessons for students to learn about solar energy. Gamble said that could also give students opportunities that could set them up for long-term success. Quote, Green energy is going to be a growing field going forward, and I think it provides an opportunity for our students to learn about that and learn about careers in solar energy, end quote, Gamble said. Over a thousand scientists from around the world who are deeply concerned about the climate crisis and about governments and corporations in action on its committed acts of civil disobedience on April 6th in protest. They chained themselves to the doors of banks that finance fossil fuel projects, blocked bridges, occupied the steps of government buildings, and more. Their message was that the climate crisis is worsening and nothing less than a climate revolution will be necessary to avoid a catastrophe. U.S. climate scientist Peter Kalmus was one of the several scientists who locked themselves to the front door of the J.P. Morgan Chase Building in Los Angeles. That bank is the largest private funder of oil and gas projects in the world. Kalmus said, quote, The science clearly indicates that everything we hold dear is a risk, including civilization itself and the wonderful, beautiful, cosmically precious life on this planet. I actually don't get how any scientist who understands this could possibly stay on the sidelines at this point, end quote. In Washington, D.C., Climate scientists chained themselves to the White House fence and were arrested as they demanded that President Biden declare a climate emergency. Declaring an emergency would enable the government's emergency powers to immediately halt crude oil exports, stop oil and gas drilling in the outer continental shelf, speed the nationwide transition off fossil fuels, construct renewable energy systems, and take other steps to halt the fossil fuel industry destruction of the planet. We thought they were extinct. With a call that has been described as that of a tin trumpet and making a double tap sound with its long bill, the ivory-billed woodpecker is the third largest woodpecker in the world and the largest north of Mexico, according to All About Birds. The elusive woodpecker had apparently last been seen in the big woods of eastern Arkansas in 2004, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette reported. But it was still determined to be extinct by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service last year. The beautiful black and white tree-dwelling ivory-billed woodpecker, males have a bright crest that looks like a red hat, was declared extinct after not having had a widely accepted sighting since 1944, the Guardian reported. Though they once made old-growth forest from the Ohio River Valley down into Florida and Cuba their home, populations shrunk in the 1800s due to hunting and habitat destruction. However, it appears that the Forest Service spoke too soon when they determined there were no more ivory-billed woodpeckers in existence. A research team from the National Aviary and Project Principalis went on a years-long search for the woodpecker and, using trail cameras and drone videos, accumulated evidence that at least three ivory-billed woodpeckers are living in the bottomland forest of the researchers' study site in Louisiana, the National Aviary said. The research has yet to be peer-reviewed. Cancer Alley is an area that ranges from New Orleans to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and is called 
that because it contains over 100 chemical plants and oil refineries, and the residents are diagnosed with cancer at rates almost 50 times the national average, according to the EPA. Now, in an EPA pollution complaint, Cancer Alley residents are accusing the state of Louisiana of discrimination because both St. John the Baptist and St. James parishes are predominantly black and poor. The EPA is investigating the Louisiana State Department of Environmental Quality and the Department of Health. One complaint alleges that the Department of Health has been negligent in response to reports of polluted air. The other complaint accuses the Department of Environmental Quality and Department of Health of racial bias in their decisions to grant permits to three plants, a proposed grain terminal, an elastomers plant, and the notorious proposed Formosa Plastic Sunshine plant. Quote, we have been dismissed time and time again, end quote, said Mary Hampton of Concerned Citizens of St. John in a press release earlier this year. She went on to say, quote, it is unacceptable that we've been ignored for so long, and so we're now asking the EPA to step in to protect our civil rights, including to have equal protection from environmental harm and to ensure that our right to breathe clean air is finally enforced, end quote. The roads and highways humans have built bisect the natural environment and divide the ranges and migratory routes of many species, presenting a danger to the animals who need to cross them. This month, the world's largest wildlife overpass, the Wallace-Annenberg Wildlife Crossing, will begin construction across a multi-lane highway at Liberty Canyon in the Santa Monica Mountains. The 210-foot long, 165-foot wide green bridge will allow animals like mountain lions, coyotes, snakes, and toads to safely cross U.S. Highway 101 near Los Angeles, reported The Guardian. It will be surrounded by an acre of native plants and sound walls covered with vegetation will be put in place to help shield nocturnal animals from noise and light. The freeway is a formidable and virtually impenetrable barrier for many wildlife species, including mountain lions, bobcats, gray foxes, coyotes, and mule deer that inhabit and travel between these two mountain ranges, the Santa Monica Mountains Conservancy said in a press release. For mountain lions in particular, the consequences of this restriction results in increased inbreeding and territorial fighting and very low genetic diversity within the Santa Monica Mountains. These overpasses are not a new concept. After 20 years, Banff National Park's system of wildlife overpasses and underpasses are still praised around the world for having drastically reduced wildlife collisions in the busy park. Research has shown that 11 species of large animals in Banff have used the structures more than 200,000 times, including unexpected species such as red fox, hoary marmot, boreal toads, wolverines, lynx, garter snakes, and beavers. Scientists recently detected microplastics in human blood for the first time. More recently, scientists found that the roots of crops and harbor microplastics, which can move up in the parts of the plants we eat. Two peer-reviewed studies published Environmental Research and Nature Sustainability point to the presence of microplastics in fruits and vegetables and call for more research in microplastics impacts on human health. 
Researchers in the first study took samples of fruits and vegetables and revealed minuscule pieces of plastics in them, whether they came from supermarkets or produce sellers. The second study found that cracks in the roots of lettuce and wheat can absorb microplastics from surrounding water and soil. Those particles can then move from the roots to the edible parts of the produce. Researchers already knew that extremely tiny particles, about 50 nanometers in diameter, can penetrate roots, but the second study detected particles about 40 times that size in plants. The first study found carrots to be the most contaminated vegetable sampled, and as for fruits, apples contained more microplastics than pears. The scientists found more microplastics in fruits than vegetables, and they surmise that the reason is that older fruit trees have larger root systems than vegetables do. Responding to both the climate crisis and Russia's invasion of Ukraine, Germany unveiled a major package recently to speed its transition to renewable energy. The goal of the new plan is for Germany to get at least 80% of its energy from renewable sources by 2030 and achieve almost 100% renewable energy by 2035. Quote, on the one hand, the climate crisis is coming to a head. On the other hand, Russia's invasion shows how important it is to phase out fossil fuels and promote the expansion of renewables, end quote. Economy Minister Robert Habeck told the press, as reported by Reuters. The package comes days after the latest intergovernmental panel on climate change report warned that nations must reduce carbon dioxide emissions 43 percent by 2030 in order to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. It also comes as European countries have vowed to wean themselves off of Russian fossil fuels well before 2030 in response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Carrying a banner that proclaimed, quote, Mansion, stop burning our future for profit, end quote, on April 9th, Hundreds of protesters in Granttown, West Virginia, blockaded a coal plant that burns coal waste from a company that right-wing Democratic Senator Joe Manchin's family owns. Manchin earns a half million dollars a year from the company. Almost immediately, police arrested 16 protesters. Manchin's climate record is dismal. He refused to back President Biden's Build Back Better Act because it included an important climate provision that would have given federal grants to utilities that increase the electricity they obtain from renewables. Manchin has also opposed such anti-poverty measures as the extended child tax credit and paid family leave. Thanks to Manchin's business and other coal businesses in West Virginia, the state has experienced some of the nation's highest electricity rate increases. Appalachians Against Pipelines, one of the organizers of the blockade, asserted that the air pollution that Manchin's company releases causes nine deaths per year. And now for our feature mock climate change debate segment produced by Nathaniel Weinzappel, our environmental affairs correspondent. First held in 1970 and recently reaching its 50th year anniversary, Earth Day is an annual holiday held to demonstrate support for environmental protections and celebrate life on our planet. 
with over a billion people participating in related events worldwide. In celebration of Earth Day today, WFHB presents a mock climate change debate with Professor Ben Kravitz, a climate scientist and assistant professor at Indiana University. The professor and I went back and forth, with myself portraying a climate denier, asking him questions or making statements that are skeptical of climate change. The professor, with his large depth of knowledge and prior experience with climate change skeptics, was able to explain why common climate myths are incorrect. Ideally, you listeners out there can understand his arguments and hopefully be able to debate your relatives more effectively at the next family gathering. Now, without further ado, here is the Q&A. I'll do my best. <laughs> For this first one, it is, so it was such a cold winter. There was, a, there was that big snowstorm at the beginning of February. Surely global warming can't be happening if it is still so cold. Well, winter's always going to be cold. We're, we're not talking about winter suddenly becoming summer. And also, one of the most important words in the phrase global warming is global. A snowstorm in one place doesn't necessarily mean anything. What we're looking at is large-scale changes over a long time period, which is what's happening under global warming, and how those changes might affect individual locations. And so when it comes to global climate, uh, some people say the climate is always changing. The Earth goes through a series of warming and cooling periods. Uh, there was a cooling period during the medieval times. Would it be possible that right now we're just going through a warming period? So it's absolutely right that the Earth's climate has always changed and we've gone through warming and cooling periods. Um, and in fact, the periods that we've gone through in the past, the warming periods, some of them have been a lot warmer than what we're experiencing now. So that's not the issue. Um, usually those warming periods take tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of years or some major event like a huge volcanic eruption or a meteor hitting the earth. Um, we're not seeing any of that. What we're seeing is very rapid changes in a very short period of time and also, we have a mechanism for it. Like we understand the physics of what happens if you put large amounts of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. We've known about that since the mid 1800s. This is 19th century science. Um, right now, that's what we're seeing. We are, we're seeing the effects that we might expect from doing those sorts of things. So, I mean, science doesn't prove anything, it is always possible that this could be due to natural causes and not due to humans but i'd say the chance of that is very very small and if you and there is no evidence supporting it that we've been able to discover and even if global warming were occurring wouldn't uh warming be better there would be less cold waves more areas of the world such as the north would be more habitable there'd be better growing seasons stuff like that well, um, I think you'd have to ask the people who live in the North if they think it would be better, because better is a different meaning for everybody. 
Um, so it is true that areas in the north would get warmer, but areas everywhere get, would get warmer. The tropics are already pretty warm. So if they get warmer, it might get to the point where people can't live there anymore. So I'm not going to say that that's good. Um, I think it that we can't just focus on one area. We're talking about the entire globe. I've heard that there are still scientists that disagree about climate change and that there is no scientific consensus as more evidence is needed. Is this true? Um. There are scientists who disagree with climate change. There are even climate scientists who disagree that climate change is happening and that it's caused by humans. 97% um, of climate scientists understand that the climate is changing and that it's caused by human emissions of greenhouse gases. So um, I don't think it's responsible to just focus on a, focus on a small portion. We, this is, I've never really seen numbers like that before in many aspects of science. Um, so that's a pretty high number in terms of how science goes. Some climate skeptics would say, aren't most climate scientists just financially benefiting by saying that uh, climate change exists? Oh, I wish. Um, <laughs> I'm not getting rich on this stuff. I would, um, I'm, you know, going to be comfortably middle class and I've decided that's okay. Uh, I'll tell you a way I would get rich and famous is if I were able to find strong evidence showing that climate change is not caused by people or that it's not happening at all. I would be one of the most famous people on the planet. Unfortunately, that's not how the evidence is going. Is there a possibility that even if climate change were occurring, the natural environment would be able to adapt, such as animals and plants? Um, some would, some wouldn't. So um, when you look at a, a tree, for example, so how quickly can a tree move um, if the climate starts to change? So trees are really good at growing in a certain growing zone. If the growing zone starts to shift, they either move or they die. Um, trees tend to kind of stay where they are. Whereas, you know, land mammals, they can move pretty quickly. So they might be okay, um, assuming that where they end up, they have a food source um, because a lot of those animals eat plants that they're used to. So it's it's really hard to say whether which uh, species would be okay and which wouldn't be okay. Um, but I think it would be naive to say that everything would just be fine. And so after this discussion, you've convinced me, uh, I believe now believe climate change is real, but there is nothing to be done. It is too late to make changes. Shouldn't we just, you know, continue living as we do and hope for the best? I think we already know the answer to that in the just doing what we're doing and hoping for the best isn't going to work because the way we're headed is not the best. Um, the way we're headed looks pretty bad. And what's also worth pointing out is that when people get together, they're capable of accomplishing absolutely amazing things. Um, I remember when I was in grad school, I went to a talk and um, someone, uh, a professor was saying that 
he fully believed that in 10 years, some kid in the lab was going to invent cheap solar and it was going to be a game changer in terms of where we get our energy and renewable energy in general. And he was wrong. It happened in five years. So um, I think stuff like that is really neat. I see a lot of people out there who are really motivated to do something about the climate change problem. And I think an attitude of, well, maybe we should just give up gets in those people's way. So, you know, let us try. When it comes to overcoming the climate crisis, as the professor put it, we as humans are capable of accomplishing absolutely amazing things. Thank you, Professor Kravitz, for your time and expertise. For WFHB, I'm Nathaniel Weinsaffel. For Eco Report, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Cynthia Roberts. Are you looking for a way to make a difference on environmental issues? Here at Eco Report, we are currently looking for reporters, engineers, and segment producers. Our goal is to report facts on how we're all affected by global climate disruption and the ongoing assaults on our air, land, and water. We also celebrate ecologists, tree huggers, soil builders, and an assortment of champions who actively protect and restore our natural world, particularly those who are active in South Central Indiana. All levels of experience and all ages are welcome, and we provide the training you'll need. WFHB also offers internships. To volunteer for Eco Report, give us a call at 812-323-1200 or email us at earth at wfhb.org. And now for some upcoming events. The 37th annual Spring Wildflower Foray is scheduled at Monroe Lake, Brown County State Park, and other locations beginning on Friday, April 22nd at 9 a.m. and running through Sunday, April 24th at 5 p.m. Almost all of the programs require advance registration. For a full event schedule, go to the Indiana DNR website. Celebrate Earth Day at Spring Mill State Park on Saturday, April 23rd from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Meet Wyatt Williams at the Spring Mill Inn for a one-mile hike through the Donaldson Cave Preserve. All kinds of activities such as making bird feeders, fishing, learning about recycling, and much more will take place all day. During Earth Week, there will be a debris cleanup along the Jackson Creek Trail and in Sherwood Oaks Park on Sunday, April 24th from 2 to 4 p.m. Trash bags and gloves will be provided. Sign up at bloomington.in.gov parks. The Sassafras Audubon Society is hosting a bird feeder cleaning fundraising on Saturday, April the 30th at Bloomington Hardware in Bloomington from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Keeping your bird feeders clean is one way of preventing the spread of disease. The Daisy Days Native Plants Fell will be held at the Hinkle Garden Farmstead on Saturday, April 30th from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. and on Sunday, May 1st from 1 to 4 p.m. 
the sale specializes in native perennials. And that wraps up our show for this week. Eco Report is brought to you in part by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. Found locally at 812-334-4003 and on the web at mpisolarenergy.com. This week's headlines were written by Norm Holy, Linda Green, and Juliana Daly. Today's feature was produced by environmental affairs correspondent Nathaniel Weinzapfel. Juliana Daly assembled the script, and Linda Green, Don Guerra, and Patrick Callanan edited it. Juliana Daly compiled our events calendar. Patrick Callanan produced and engineered today's show. For WFHB, I'm Juliana Daly. And I am Cynthia Roberts. And this is Eco Report.